Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Okay, so here we are about, let's see, a full 10 days out from the wedding. Yeah, 10 days. How are you doing, mom? I'm good. I'm good. I'm sort of getting in the groove now of moving on to other things. Took me a little bit. Yeah. Took you a little bit after getting back from the wedding, you mean? Yes. Just, I don't know. I was very reflective and tired. Yeah. I think and needed some real downtime, but I feel myself finally, you know, coming up for air, but it was wonderful. It, you know, everything worked out so beautifully and just such, such happy memories. If anything, it's a maybe a little sadness that it's over. You know, we talked on here before our other conversations about weddings, like, would it be relief or letdown? And I don't think I felt any like relief. Oh, whew, sure. Shoot, that's over. I haven't felt that. I felt like more like, oh, it went so fast and I, w- I want to revisit it. Yeah, I can relate. For anyone who's listening who hasn't listened to our first two installments of sort of wedding prep episodes, it's been a big event in our family this spring, getting ready for the wedding. And for anyone who's not familiar, it was sort of a destination wedding. It wasn't too far away from where we live. It was just a couple hours south in Virginia, but it did feel, you know, we kind of, we transported and a lot of it was, I think a bigger percentage than we thought about before was very DIY. (laughs) I think we, I think we thought we were outsourcing most of it and we did a lot of the big stuff, but we ended up doing a lot of work. So when we say we're getting back and all of that, it, it really was like, we went on a trip for, you know, it was a four day trip. And then Afterwards, Cam and I went, and I mentioned this before too, our honeymoon, we just drove a few hours east to Richmond and we just really relaxed in the Jefferson Hotel, which was so lovely and just had a, I can't, we were so tired because it it was a lot of work and we had had so much fun. So we were gone for a few days. We also spent about 24 hours on the Eastern shore of Virginia. So we went to Chincoteague and then drove back up through Assateague. So that was really beautiful. We were gone for that time. And that was just so lovely to have that time to relax. But I think your experience was different because you just went straight home. Yeah. There was a lot to unpack. Yeah. There was a lot of unpacking. There's a lot to still unpack. 
I'm giving myself grace on that. It'll it'll take a while. You know what is still actually the most packed is my suitcase with my clothes. Now I did unpack my suitcase. <laughs> I've unpacked. <laughs> I've unpacked. We we really worked to unpack everything else, but my suitcase. My suitcase, the one that I separated when I was like, I'm not actually probably going to wear these clothes. So, well, speaking of your trip, your trip after the wedding, which we touched on this before, also, I ran across this word mini moon, and that was one of the things you had mentioned that you guys intentionally chose to sort of reduce the planning stress of the wedding because you want to talk about that a little bit because planning a big trip is like a whole nother layer of it. And so anyway, of course, a whole layer and a whole layer of expense. And it was just so overwhelming. We couldn't even like my brain couldn't even compute doing that right after. I know a lot of people do it, but they wait a good period of time. So, you know, they'll do their honeymoon like a month after the wedding or something, which Makes sense to me too, but there's something about the wedding and being there with everyone you love. And it's so fun and you're just so on cloud nine. I really didn't want to come home right away. So I'm glad we sort of did this middle ground of going to a fun hotel that you might not otherwise splurge on and eating, just like treat yourself. It was so nice to pamper yourself. And that was the whole thing. And like, cause you don't, you could do that in a, in a city you know, we could have like flown to Paris, I guess, and done a similar thing. But then we would have been like, oh, now we got to go see the Eiffel Tower. But I was, we were just so tired. I don't know how that would have worked. <laughs> so yeah, it worked out really well. And it's funny. I still feel like I have to justify when people say, oh, where'd you go on your honeymoon? And it's like, Richmond. And people are like, what? <laughs> well, have you heard that term mini moon? I thought that was so fitting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it was. It's a mini moon. And then it's also like, and people are like, oh, well, you're doing a bigger trip, right? And it's like, I get, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure we'll go on a trip one day soon. I don't know. But it's it's funny, the kind of the expectation around it. Again, it's another thing that's like, there's a certain caliber of stuff that you're like supposed to do. And it, while what we did was perfect for us and I wouldn't do it any other ways, it's still, still have to explain it. Funny. Well, speaking of cultural expectations in my era, the couple, the newlyweds would leave the reception at some point and, and go on a trip. And then it was gone. And then the party was officially over. But in our case, you guys were the last to leave with we us. Were, and we were, <laughs> we'll get more to this, I'm sure. But Kim was pulling recycling out of compost bags. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was the last the, thing we were doing. Oh, oh, he passed the son-in-law test. Yes. Let me tell you. So, well, yeah. So let's kind of sum it up where we left off, you know, with, with the planning. Yeah. I guess the big question mark where maybe we left off was how we were going to do the compost. So let's start there. Cause that was sort of the biggest question mark, I think. Yes. Okay. For those of you that didn't hear before, one of our big goals for the wedding was to try to reduce the food waste. It was a big undertaking because of course we were getting catering and so forth. And the catering companies aren't really geared to this. They said no one had ever really asked to do that. However, I'm happy to report that once we said what our goals were, people were very cooperative, not only the caterers and the staff that were working the events. And I say events, there was a welcome dinner the night before the wedding. And then, of course, the big wedding dinner. And then there was that 
brunch we had as people were leaving the next morning. So all the people involved in, in putting that on, the vendors and the staff and so forth, everybody was very cooperative and very supportive. And I was pleasantly surprised at that, that it, it wasn't taken as kind of a imposition or just something extra they had to do. People were really on board with it. And we made an announcement at the beginning of the weekend that this is what we were trying to do. We had made arrangements with a composting company up the road to receive the food compost at the end of the weekend. So that was all set up. Yeah, I think the sort of the bummer was that we were outside of range for anyone to pick up. Many places you you would hopefully be in range of a compost service that would come pick up your compost. But we couldn't quite locate one that would do that. So that was part of it. And it's part of the just just the logistics of organizing that was something that we were not thrilled about adding but something that we were willing to do in order to have it done. Well, in hindsight, I think thinking about it and trying to figure it out was actually worse than actually doing it because it went really, really well. And we had also chosen for the meals that weren't using, um, like with the wedding dinner was using real china and, and glasses and utensils and so forth. But for then the night before, which was like a barbecue picnic and the wedding brunch, we chose all compostable you know, plates, utensils, beverage cups, coffee cups, everything could be just put in there with the food. And that really simplified it too, because there was no real separating. There was really nothing that we were using that couldn't be composted. So people just had to make their way to one of these. The trickiest thing was people putting, there were certain cups that were only recyclable and not compostable. And those sometimes got in the compostable. So that was the only thing in that, you know, in hindsight, I guess we could have made more of an effort to make sure there were all cups, whatever. But, you know, I was really worried about like, oh, people are going to put the thing in the wrong thing. But really, there weren't that many different things to put. And we just my brother made some signs that were very clear and we had them over and we just used the big paper lawn and leaf bags you know, I think we were also really concerned about like containers and bags. And it was just like a lot simpler than that. Shout out to Audrey at Black Bear Composting. She had advised us, oh, we prefer the paper bags. And we were worried about liquids and so forth and it being real messy. But pro tip is that when you're using the compostable plates, it really helps so that it's not just a big old sack of food. It's like, you know, we've got the plates and everything in there absorbing it. Yeah. It's what do they call it? The brown matter, like kind of helps dry it out. Exactly. Which made the bags much lighter too. They're easy to pick up. They, they weren't really heavy, soggy. I know this is probably getting into yeah. t- <laughs> mm, our wedding discussion. <laughs> I know this is, but all, all of this to say is that that worked out really well. And Cam, my new son-in-law, as I said, he really passed the son-in-law test by <laughs> going down there that morning. And we literally went through the bags and, you know, we pulled out the few things and it wasn't gross. It really wasn't the few things that needed to be separated out and loaded it all up in the truck. And it was ready to go. I have a picture. There were, I don't know the exact number. I'll count them from the picture and we'll, we'll post this somewhere. But it was, I think, eight or 10 bags of recycling. Eight to 10, maybe maybe a dozen bags of, of the compost. And when we left there Tuesday morning, there was one bag of trash. One. Now, disclaimer, I don't know who over the weekend might have 
emptied another trash bag somewhere in the... Yeah, or the caterers could have taken trash with them. We don't really know. So I can't say with certainty that over the weekend, we only generated one bag of trash. I don't really know that. I just know that when we left, we had all that recycling, all that composting. There was one bag of trash and that was pretty exciting. So I think that aspect of our planning went better than expected. And I would encourage any of you out there that are planning a wedding and that this is something you'd like to try. This is something that feels important to you not to create a whole bunch of food waste. Just start asking around and you might be introducing this idea to your caterer. And guess what? It worked out. It's just not that hard. Like the hard, like you said, the hardest part is the creative problem solving at the outset yeah. because it's a new concept, but it's just not that hard. Yes. And when I got home, I was curious. I thought, what if we had, now we have composting here on the farm, so we can compost food here. However, the plates and the utensils and stuff, that takes a special facility. You can't backyard compost. Which is why we needed to drop them off at this compost place. Exactly. So I was thinking, what about if we had a big party or whatever here at the farm and I wanted to use those plates and so forth? What would I do? And I Googled around a little bit. And guess what? There are some facilities around here that will accept food waste. And I didn't know that before. So the whole thing has just sort of opened up possibilities that I wasn't. There's probably one of the places near you because you're close enough to the city that will come pick up. There might be. Yeah. The ones I've seen so far just, you know, you can drop off as so-and-so. But these are things that were just not on my radar before. And now because of this, planning that we had to do and this strategizing, the possibilities have opened up. And I'm pretty pleased with that aspect of it. Let me tell you about what it's like to drift to sleep on a 100% natural wool pillow sourced from regenerative farms wrapped in a lovingly handmade organic cotton pillowcase. Oh wait, I can't. I think it's just something you're going to have to try for yourself. Holy Lamb Organics is proud to carry on a centuries-old tradition of making beautiful textile products by hand. Combining heritage methods with pristine natural and organic materials and sustainable business practices, they bring a dedication to healthy living and the environment. Everything Holy Lamb does reflects their devotion to the planet and its inhabitants. From their supply chain to their manufacturing processes to their facilities management, nothing happens without considering the environmental impact. Most importantly, they're also dedicated to fair labor practices, secure working conditions, diversity, and inclusion. From the farm to the mill to their partner manufacturers, everyone shares the same high ideals of a safe, respectful workplace and environmentally conscious methods. Making good products enables them to do good work. Every time we order something from Holy Lamb Organics, we're proud to support a small town made in America company. You can find Holy Lamb Organics in the Lady Farmer Marketplace. For additional marketplace discounts, you can join the Almanac, our member-supported community platform. Find Holy Lamb Organics products including pillows, sheets, natural wool comforters, and more in the bedding section of the Lady Farmer Marketplace at www.ladyfarmer.com. So the other, that was probably the biggest and the other, when I think about weddings and waste and big, just general big events and waste, the other thing that comes to mind for me, especially with weddings is all of the little, I'll just say like trinkets and things that 
when you come down to, you know, I thought I was being super chill and having this really simple event, but as soon as you feed a hundred or over a hundred people, it becomes a big, thing. <laughs> it's a big thing. And so, yeah, I had to do things like table numbers and place settings and drink, you know, and what are we going to do for favors and all of these like little things. And I'm on Etsy getting things and I was like, wow, I can really see now how this stuff adds up. And especially when you're on Etsy, all the different options that are a lot of them made out of plastic that are single use. I think a big thing that I didn't find a way around, I probably could have been more creative, but down to the wire, I did have the foam board poster seating chart to make it big and sturdy for people to look at what table they were at. I think that got thrown away you know, had, had I had more time and planning and had probably prioritized that more, like we did the food, I probably would have written those out on glass window pane or, you know, something really sweet. But that was something that I did just, you know, last minute printed, but I would say everything else I found on Etsy, these sweet for table numbers, these sweet, like wire things that were made into numbers that I can, and any of these, I would say even the ones made out of plastic, if that's what you prefer easily resellable, reusable. The wedding venue even had a few different like table number options for weddings that had, they just like left their table numbers there. So my suggestion is when you're, when you're looking at those details, look at stuff that already exists or that if you have a friend that got married and used table, like those things are just so easy to reuse and they are so minor. Don't worry about those. And then with the favors, I have a collection of small plastic or, you know, just items that I brought home from a lot of weddings. And it's, it's hard to know what to do because you don't want to not do it at all. But also, as everyone tells you, no one really misses them if they're not there. So we ended up, we compromised and we did the little matchbooks. We might've mentioned that. The matchbooks came out great and we have a lot left over though. And I actually research matchbooks a little bit and they are compostable. Used matches and unused matches are, it's what I read. I, you know, that may or may not be correct. Someone out there let me know if it's not. So I felt really good about us doing that. And speaking of favors, for people that were staying on the compound there, it was it was a little rustic thing when people were staying in cabins around. And some people stayed off in other places. But the, for the people that were staying on the compound there in the cabins, we wanted to have little gift baskets for things like like. They would have something for breakfast. You know, they could wake up and there'd be a little coffee or tea or a little pastry or something. And so a few weeks before the wedding, I started poking around for local things. This was in the Shenandoah Valley. And so all kinds of artisans up and down that way. And I was able to locate a locally made chocolate for chocolate bars. And we got some pastries from the local little town and some loose leaf tea that was just up the road. What else do we have in there? It, Honey. Oh, yeah. Honey from our very own beekeeper here in the Montgomery County Ag Reserve. So just some really local and personal things that just gave a real simple and, and consumable gift. And we were very careful to try to avoid plastic. Oh, yeah. All the pastries and things were wrapped in parchment paper. The baskets, of course, are reusable. And... In regards to sustainability and sort of effort put in, I think that actually ended up being one of the things that took the most effort, right? It did take some effort, but you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to those makers and artisans and learning about them and telling them what we were doing. Yeah, that's the thing. It was a lot of relationship building in that experience. 
And it was lots of hours for you on the phone and stuff and lots of like math. I just like that first afternoon when we all arrived and we wanted to get the baskets distributed. That's the most, that's honestly the most, I didn't really feel stressed the entire time, but that was the most kind of like, eh, we got to like put these baskets together. And, <laughs> and we had, yeah. a, we had a discussion. I remember kind of right when we all got back and we were recapping and I don't know who asked it, but we all were kind of wondering, was that worth it? Like, was all that work and stuff worth it? Cause it was, it was probably felt like the most, you did the most of the work. And I think we decided that it was, and maybe, I don't know if there's a way to do it where it's more organized or anyways, all I know is now I understand why those gifting gift basket gift box companies <clears throat> charge so much money. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. But I, w- I would definitely do it again. And like I was saying, when I was sharing with the vendors, what the goal was, everybody said, Oh, well, that's really neat. And I was talking to the tea vendor and I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know like which little sample package to buy. And I told her what I was doing. She goes, no, no, just order a bulk bag and then you can do your own packaging. She saved me a whole bunch of money by suggesting that. And it was, yeah, it was much better. And I ended up making these little packets of, you know, sample tea bags for the basket. And yeah, it's people were interested and helpful all along the way. Every time we said, we're trying to reduce waste at this wedding, people were responsive supportive, cooperative. And to me, that was, I don't know what I expected, but I don't think I expected that kind of reaction. Like, oh, let us help you do that. So just putting that out there, this is more and more of a thing people are aware of and more and more mainstream. And I would say what's even on that note are the caterer for the wedding reception dinner, you know, the seated dinner, we did family style. That sort of required the most resources and human, you know, there was we had servers and it was, that was the big thing. And I think probably the company where that we used the most, the, you know, they have their own system and their own way of doing things. And that would have probably been the hardest to, to break in and say, we want you to do this differently. Luckily, as you mentioned, they were, we were using real plates and cuts. There wasn't a whole lot of waste anyways, just the food waste, but the coordinator for that event. So the lead, the head caterer, I remember her saying, do you remember her saying this mom? She was like, I do this every weekend. And the amount of plastic waste and trash. It just like really depresses me. And so I feel like just the opportunity to think about it differently. She really was excited. And she was like, I really appreciate you saying this because yeah, I think some people just say, oh, well, this is what it is. It's what it has to be. Yes. Well, besides the fact that I think we kept a whole lot of stuff out of the landfill, which is very gratifying to me. My big takeaway is that people are interested in it and they like the idea and that will just help it grow. And like I said, become more common practice. Yeah. And that you don't have to, sure, weddings are wasteful and big events are really wasteful, but that doesn't mean we, we don't do them or we, (laughs) we can't do that anymore. I think that there's a reactionary feeling to, oh, this is really wasteful and it produces a lot of waste. And that first your knee jerk would be like, well, I don't want to not do it. So you just have to do it, but it's, There's like an in-between. There's ways to do things differently. And as we always say, you can't expect perfection. And that's the big part. But it's even worth it to even begin the thought process of something. It's something that might seem unattainable or too hard, but you just start thinking about it and see what creative solutions might emerge and see where it takes you. So absolutely. We'll provide a list in the show notes of all the vendors for the gift basket. Yes. If you're in the area, you can look them up. 
and our caterers. And our ca- we'll, we'll do shouts, shout outs to everyone and a few other things that helped with the sustainability in case you're just catching up. I did get my dress secondhand from a website called Still White. There's a few secondhand wedding dress websites. One's wedding Still White. What I would recommend is go to a few wedding dress places, try stuff on so you know generally your sizing and silhouettes that you like. And if you pick out designers or things that you like, you can find on secondhand sites or just go on Etsy and get a cute linen dress, which I actually did as a backup in case my secondhand dress that I ordered from someone who lived in England just, you know, wasn't what it said it was, which thankfully that didn't happen. It was excellent. Also, if things don't fit perfectly, tailors are amazing. It just, it was all so much more simpler than I thought. The wedding dress thing is, can be really overwhelming. Or you can get exactly what you want with a little creativity. Or wear something you have. I don't know. (laughs) You don't have to do the whole thing. You know, you hear so much about the mother of the bride dress and what to wear and what color and all of that. I literally went to my mom's closet (laughs) and... There was a beautiful dress there that I felt like would work very well. And it did. And uh, it fit me. And I was able to say it was my mom's dress. And it was it was old. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what where it, when it dated from, but I called it vintage because it was out of my mom's closet. So that's slow fashion. And that's also it has a story behind it. And um, unfortunately, my parents were unable to be at the wedding. So that was very much a nod to having my mom there at Emma's wedding and very, very special. So, and then the beautiful dress that I got on still white, which was perfect for photos was not ideal for dancing. So I changed, so we had, we talked about a little bit in the earlier episode, but we did end up tailoring my mom's dress to both fit me, which it definitely did not. And also we made it shorter to make it sort of a fun dancing dress. My wedding dress you're talking about. Oh yes. My mom's wedding dress, her wedding, wedding dress, which was gunny sack. So it was all cotton from the early 80s. It was just worked so perfectly. I will probably wear it again. I love it so much. Oh, I hope you do. It turned out so cute. Just beyond what my expectation on how that came out. (laughs) Just it couldn't have been more fitting to you and the occasion. Yeah, it was so perfect. So all of that. So the, the clothes just was not stressful. We talked about this, but I didn't do bridesmaids. We had our brothers be our attendants. I did because boys, sometimes you can't, sometimes you just can't trust the boys. So especially the brothers. (laughs) So I did, you know, send them to a rental website to to all rent the same suit so that that I could guarantee that they all had the right clothes. And even then, you know, there were some crises. You just can't avoid that sometimes. But, and I got them (laughs) as a gift, all matching ties from Liberty, which I love those. I love those floral patterns. That was really special. But yeah, just the the clothes just ended up being not a huge, not a huge issue. It was really fun. Yeah. And you didn't have, you know, a whole bunch of girlfriends having to buy the same fast fashion dress. <laughs> I think because of that, everyone had so much fun. Either they bought new things or they found things in their closet that, you know, we had a very vague theme of garden cocktails. So everyone, it was a garden party. Everyone was very flowery and springy and it was so fun just Processing that with everyone, what they're going to wear. Hannah, my friend, had a really fun linen pantsuit with fun flowers on it. That was awesome. We had a few linen pantsuits. That was great. It was fun. It was. It made it made for lots of room for creativity and 
people to, to take it and run with it, which was so much more fun than telling people what to wear. Oh yeah. Lot, lots of very happy, flowery dresses. It was, it was beautiful. It was really great. So in terms of having more sustainability in the wedding, we were able to utilize the talents of some of our friends who are artisans in the area. Emma, you want to talk about the flowers and the bread? Yeah. So again, we've mentioned it a few times, but our good friend, Anna, who's a flower farmer and florist, was so kind enough to offer her services over the weekend. And it was so fun. And, and she had help from, from, it was really a group effort to do the flowers. And that was amazing. And then while the catering, we, we used just one company. And that was another, that was another area where I think if it was a smaller party and if it was, if I really had, you know, more control over the food sourcing, I would have, that's something that I would have liked to do at the scale we were doing in the budget we were working with. We couldn't exactly guarantee the sourcing of each vegetable. But one thing that we did do was, and this was Anna's idea, actually the florist said, do you have anyone who can bake the bread? And we do, we have dear friends in Forest, Virginia, who have a farm CSA and a bakery, a bakehouse, and they use all local grain. And so we, we bought all the bread from them. So that was sort of the nod to local food, farm grown local food as much as possible. And the bread was amazing. So that was really fun. So why have a wedding at all? Like wouldn't the most sustainable thing be not to host a large gathering of people where you have to do all of this food and entertainment and et cetera? It's a good question because there's probably a high likelihood, you know, we very well could have done that. I think that there's such joy in getting as many of the people as you love in one place. There's just nothing like it. I feel like we're just made for that. And yeah, sometimes it produces waste. <laughs> but if you can be proactive and creative about how to minimize that, then so worth it. And for us, the experience of having the wedding was just so, it ended up being more and more important to us, I think, as it went on, just because we we have so many people that we love so much and that have been so important to our story. Something that is just the best takeaway for me coming off that weekend is seeing our friends from different areas of our life all get to actually be friends with each other. And it's true for both of us. We sort of have these different phases and having everything converge was just so special. I just think, you know, as a culture, we do have these touchstones, these life things that are so important to celebrate in whatever way feels authentic to you. It's just who we are. Me and Cam, just a, a big party just feels really authentic. So we went for it. Yeah. And I'd like to speak to that too. Having originally said in the beginning of this, this whole process, what you guys could just go off one weekend and do this and come back and say you were married and, and that would be like, that would be fine. We had no expectations for anything beyond that, really. I mean, or anything that we were attached to, let me say. But having been through this experience, it was just truly a golden time to have all these people in one place. Now that we've all been through the COVID era and we're used to all this, you know, virtual gatherings and being connected through the computer and so forth and texting and all of this where you you can communicate with people. But that scale of in-person in gathering was just truly refreshing. And it felt very, very nurturing. It felt very just in, invigorating and 
and beautiful and inspiring. And so I'm, I'm so glad we did it. I'm so glad we did it. And um, so, yes, we address, you address the other issues creatively and as well as you can. For us, it was a good decision. So I, I will just speak to the budget wise. We were really sensitive to that. And we did a lot of things to mitigate that as well. We really shopped around for a venue. We really did a lot of DIY stuff. And I will say that, like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, when you do that, you realize at the end that you pay, you make f- up for it in the work that you put in. The reason why these big events are so expensive is because they take a lot of work. And so when you aren't paying for things, then you are doing the work yourself. So we... Luckily, I think we did it. We, it was a good balance. We didn't overdo it. Didn't feel impossible, the work that we left ourselves. But a big one was we did get all of our alcohol and supply the bar from Costco, which saved us so much money. That's a tip I can give you. Saved us so much money. It was a ton of work. It was like a lot of math. It was a lot of trips to Costco because certain Costco's didn't have liquor or whatever. So we had to go to other Costco. So it was a lot of work. And there were points where I was like, you know what? I get why someone might pay three times more for someone else to just do this. But yeah, that's what I'll say on that is that we felt like we were able to have the wedding of our dreams within budget and with a certain amount of work put in, which I think actually helped everyone feel more invested and cared about it more. So it was lovely. Yeah. About the budget, I'll say we could have spent less. We could have spent less, but we could have spent a whole lot more. Yeah, that's true. So I think we did pretty well, struck a, a middle ground between just doing everything ourselves and having it like super low budget and having, um, creating the vision that we had in our hearts and minds and just, you know, just spending a ridiculous amount of money that as we experienced was really not necessary. So yeah, so we, we did say no to a lot of things. Definitely. So what would you say is a takeaway from this series, our three-part series of planning and executing and strategizing and creatively thinking about a more sustainable wedding? Yeah, I think my takeaway is don't be scared away by something that feels logistically impossible just because you haven't seen it done or there's not a service that does it for you or something that most problems are really solvable and are actually much simpler than they seem. And like we said a few times, the the actual hardest part is just that thinking through it. And then when it comes down to it, it's just like not that difficult. And then what ends up happening is, you know, that's been done now. And then we, you know, we have photos and we have a step-by-step of what we did. And the next person that comes along and asks the venue, do you guys compost? They'll say, well, we don't, but someone did. And and they'll tell you. And then we just tell them what they did. And then they literally don't have to think about it. So I just think pay it forward, creative problem solving. It's everything. It's like the whole thing. So, so fun. I think my biggest takeaway is from the very beginning, be clear about your own vision and dreams and expectations and be willing to separate those from the messages of the wedding industry that's really big out there and telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you must have this or that to have a happy day. You get to determine what you need to have a happy day. Just keep that in mind and and make your choices. And give yourself a lot of grace and have a joyful time. That's such a good point about the, you almost need to write a mission statement for your wedding, for your whole process and and use that as a guide for your decisions. Because there's a 1 million decisions to be made and 
at some point you will become disassociated from whatever's happening. So you got to have your mission statement, your priorities to go back to. As long as that's really strong and clear, it will be a pretty seamless and also at the end, really cohesive experience for yourself and for everyone. Yes. So, so thanks for joining us for this discussion. And I'll leave everyone with this, this sweet thing that um, my voice teacher actually said. I said I had a voice lesson recently and she was at the wedding. She's a very dear friend. I said, I feel like, you know, slowly coming down, whatever, let down. It was just so fun. And she said, well, you don't have to ever come down. <laughs> I was like, That's such a good thought. So just I think another reason back to, you know, why I do this is such a special time to celebrate life and, and celebrate happiness and remember the, you know, the best of the best. And sort of have that as a launching point into the next phase. And yeah, I'm going to try to not ever come down. (laughs) I love that. Okay. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I like that. Thank you for tuning in to this little bonus series. And there'll be more. I'll be compiling all this in a series of blog posts and sharing about it more because I love this stuff and I loved this experience. And thank you for coming along. And we'll be back on Friday with another Good Dirt interview. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in, calling in, and spreading the good dirt. We love hearing from you. You can reach our listener voicemail at 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. You can find this number in our show notes and in our Instagram profile. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at WeAreLadyFarmer. That's WeAreLadyFarmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye.